when you're putting your experiences, you want to make sure you're not just putting everything in there under the sun. You want to make sure it's thematic and it, and it flows and it makes sense for the program you're applying to. Just like when you're applying to a job. If you were a server and you're applying to a public health logistics company, do those two experiences match? Maybe, but probably not. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Marissa Robinson, current vice president for the DRPH Coalition, and you're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for or are affiliated with. All right, so we're talking about all these differentials on the programs and like the differences and mm -hmm. some of these criteria. What advice would you give to people that are interested in applying to the DRPH program? And I know coming into the fall season, people start thinking about what programs they want and start preparing mm -hmm. their applications. So what practical tips or advice would you give them? We'll start off with you, Lauren. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like I said earlier, your personal statement is really your time to shine. Obviously, they can look at your transcripts, they can look at your scores, they can look at your resume, but I think your personal statement is really great. One of the big issues that at the coalition we're trying to fix is that when you Google and you're trying to research, like, how do I apply for this? Like, PhD, pro a lot of the advice is PhD-centric. So reach out to professors, and there's a lot of different advice out there for how to apply. I know for me, I did try to personalize my personal statement as much as I could. I would have a general, like, spiel about me and why I'm interested in this in the DRPH, but I would also have a section on that specific program, specific professors mm -hmm. I'm interested in that their research really, you know, really speaks to me. I actually, the person that's my chair, I her name was in my personal statement. I don't know if that's just by chance, but I think that kind of stuff makes it like, okay, this person did some research. They know why they're interested in our program. They know what we can offer them and what you can offer to the program and what you're going to offer as an alumni of the program. I think that's another thing you need to think about is how can how are you going to influence the world of public health once you get your degree and why are you a good fit for that specific program so i think as as specific as you can get and as many people as you can talk to the program director i found that they're very friendly people they're more than happy to speak to you make connections with current or alumni to speak to and speak to faculty so i, I mean i think making that as specific as you can is an important piece and marissa yeah, I would agree with that. And you want to bring components to your personal statement that are outside of just your academic matriculation that make you unique. I'm always a big proponent about what makes you different than all the other folks that are applying to this same program. What research experiences have you had? What medical challenges have you experienced? What marginalized or disadvantaged populations have you worked with in maybe other countries or 
in your own backyard or in your own community? What have you done that was unpaid that you did because you were passionate about and you didn't receive any recognition for and made you want to pursue this degree? Another thing I think that is a huge proponent of the application process is for you to, not just in your personal statement, but also in your CV, when you're putting your experiences, you want to make sure you're not just putting everything in there under the sun. You want to make sure it's thematic and it flows and it makes sense for the program you're applying to. Just like when you're applying to a job. If you were a server and you're applying to a public health logistics company, do those two experiences match? Maybe, but probably not. So making sure your experiences that are in your CV <laughs> or in your resume are really highlighting the competencies that are being highlighted in the program. Also, this is really a no-brainer, but follow the directions. If it says, <laughs> right, if it says only 250 words, only 500 words, do not write 750 words. They could literally look that you didn't follow the requirements and throw your application away. Or let's say you didn't attach your transcripts or you didn't send the official transcripts and you sent your unofficial ones. It's getting thrown away. You have to think about how easy is it for them to throw away an application that doesn't follow directions. Very easy. The same rules apply when you're applying to jobs. And I think our, the younger or newer generations, I think, are, are so much like, well, I have the experience, so I'm going to get the job. And it's like, well, no, if you don't follow the instructions, you're not going to get the job. So if it says add a, a writing supplement that gives an example of your experience that, of writing, you need to add that. If you put a budget together, you put something together, make sure you add those supplemental materials and follow the directions because it's very easy for them to throw away because they get thousands of applications every year. And especially if they're on a rolling basis, they get more than you know the average program does. Mm -hmm. And these programs are highly competitive. So if you mess up one thing, yeah, your application might be in the trash. And also, you might not get rejection letters. So look at when the incoming students start and, and work backwards. If you, I, I think for my program, I got my acceptance letter in May and I started in August. So if you're not getting, if you're applying in the fall, and the deadlines are in January and the interviews are in March and you're not hearing anything between the months of May and July, you probably didn't get in and you need to start looking at pivoting to your plan B. Mm -hmm. And thinking about the rejections and some of the th ways that you need to adapt is really another part of this program kind of application process because I don't think we talk about rejection enough in the field of public health mm -hmm. and a lot of us experience it a, a lot. and in public health and on LinkedIn and social media, we see the highlight reels of all the people getting the jobs and the promotions and all the feel good stuff, but we don't talk about the rejections. We don't talk about being depressed and feeling like imposter syndrome, or we don't talk about those pitfalls of not being accepted into these programs. So I think pivoting, having multiple avenues to explore, but also being able to follow directions are all things that will make you a successful applicant moving forward. And a closed door, like I said, is not the end-all be-all. Just one other thing practically, a lot of programs mm -hmm. use the Common App. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's Sofus. the same one you did for Sofus? a master's Sofus. degree. Yes, Sofus. Sofus, yeah. yes. Yeah. A lot of programs use Sofus. So if you've done a master's in public health already, you probably an already yeah. used to Sofus and the fun of it. 
And the other thing I was going to say is that CIEF, the Council on Education for Public Health, which is the accrediting body, they have a list of all of the programs they accredit and like whether or not they're hybrid, whether or not they're online, whether or not they're in person, what they're specializing is. So that's a great place to just start mm-hmm. your search because they'll link to everyone's website. So you can go on their website to get uh, just a start of like, okay, these are my programs yep. I want to apply to. Um, so this is this is great, and I could probably keep you here for another hour, but I won't <laughs> do so. It's, on, it's a Sunday before the work week starts up, so we'll look to wrap this up. And I know the purpose, the whole purpose of this podcast was essentially to convince me to do it. So where are we? Let's be honest here. (laughs) Let's be honest. Some interesting things that I've learned in this. So one of the next things I want to know in asking for a friend. Ah, wink, wink. wink, Got it. it, You know, Mm -hmm. if if someone was to pursue this DRPH, Mm -hmm. what kind of career options is this opening up for Mm -hmm. them? Marissa, you go ahead because you're already already in it. You know, I... (laughs) I pursued my DRPH at the same time when I was like changing into a new role. And I think it it really helped me to apply the practical skills and competencies that I was learning in the classroom to real life. And one of the beauties of where I was working currently helped lead me into what my dissertation topic was going to be on because I knew there were some disparities and there were some gaps in the literature around black women and uptake of PrEP, which is a HIV prevention medication. And I was seeing it real time at work. And so it really helped me to think about what I was going to focus on my dissertation and where we had data, where we didn't, where some of the literature was focused on. So I think in terms of advice, this current role that I've been in really helped me to see, okay, I can negotiate my salary and I can be a leader. And just because I'm pursuing this degree doesn't mean that I'm not already a subject matter expert before I got into school. So we are all subject matter experts in our own right. And I think to emphasize that as we continue. But it's important to know that you're a subject matter expert before you pursue this degree and move forward. I think for a larger perspective, when we're thinking about what this degree can do for you, it can open a lot of doors and it can put you in conversations like podcasts, or it can help, you know, broaden your network and broaden your subject matter expertise and where your passions really lie. And for the degree, it has opened up a lot of doors in terms of new conversations that I'm being a part of now that I wasn't a part of before. It's also helped me to learn to stand in my truth and be proud of all the closed doors and recalculizations of my own Google Maps path and that it's made me really strong and know that I'm supposed to be here right now and this is my time. So really being and walking in that is really something that I enjoy doing. And I'm always open to new opportunities. And I think the DRPH really emphasizes that, that when an opportunity comes, pursue it. Because if it works out, that's great. But if it doesn't, it's okay. Because public health is really any and everything. What about you, Lauren? I'm, I'm in a management position already. Why would I go and go through the headache of doing more advanced degrees? Yeah, I mean, 
I think a couple things. So I would say that I think the thing that excites me, and again, I'm still in my program, so I haven't, there's no outcomes mm -hmm. here yet. But I think the thing that got me excited to do this is the opportunities. There, there's, I think I get excited about the fact that the sort of, there's so many different things that I can do with this. So you can go be a professor. You can go do the faculty track still, if you want to. Uh, you can do some research. You can be a leader. You can move up in leadership roles. And you can do that with an MPH. You can. And I think there's no, there's obviously no guarantees, but I think the DRPH yeah. differentiates you a little bit from the, from the MPH. It, that it's got, it's gotten a little saturated. I think, especially after COVID, we know that graduate, that people applying to those programs has skyrocketed. So I think it does differentiate you a little bit from the, from the MPH crowd. And I think it gives you just a higher level of knowledge and tools to, you just, you leave, I think at least I hope I will yes. leave much more well-rounded, much more able to handle just different things, whether it be the financial climate of the health system I'm working for, or it's working on a project, or it's doing human resources. We took a whole right. human resources yeah, class. That's not a thing at all. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not a MPH thing. Or it's doing research methods and regressions. And, you know, like you, you leave with all of this yeah. more advanced knowledge that an MPH just can't cover in two years. You can't get that depth of an understanding about different topics, and you just are able to see things from such a more systematic level. And I think it just it just elevates what you already had going on, and I think it just makes you poised for some of that more higher-level leadership positions. So. so I'll finish with this. If you, We talked about a lot of things today. Marissa, if there's one thing you want someone listening to take away from our conversation what would that be to reach out talk to current drph students talk to drph alums come talk to the coalition talk to our members consider joining our organization and really think about if the drph is something that you are interested in let's talk let's continue to connect you to other individuals that have had this experience and really see if this is a good fit because we need and i emphasize and underline this if you can put it in the title we need more public health yeah. practitioners we need them yeah. and not just from a, a diversity equity and inclusion standpoint but from different socioeconomic backgrounds from different geographic locations, from different religious, sexual and gender minorities, and ethnic minority experiences. We all need to be at the table because we are the populations that we are trying to impact change on. Awesome. Lauren, what's the one thing for you? I love that. Yeah, I mean, I would say that if you decide to pursue the DRPH, I think know that you are going to be a part of, like, yeah just a beautiful community of people. I think I I think Marissa and I are really lucky because we got this even more than most people because obviously the people in your program, but being a part of the coalition, yeah. we know people from programs all over the country and in some situations all over the world. So I think every single one of them, every time we get to talk to someone that's in our membership, we you learn something mm -hmm. new. You learn something that you never knew before. Mm -hmm. Everyone is an expert in something that you just, you had no idea about. And so I think it's, 
everyone's so passionate. Everyone is so nice and friendly and willing to help, willing to pitch in. And we all have such a common goal and a common place that we want to go and get to. And so I think it's just a really, it's just gorgeous. It's just a beautiful, a beautiful community. And I think we need more folks in it and we need just more elevation of who we are and what we're about. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.